Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is episode 95 of the Pure Ambition Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself so that you can create a life worth remembering. I'm your host, Don Fusco, and I appreciate each and every one of you guys for tuning in today. Today's guest is Joey Thurman. Joey is a health, fitness, and nutrition expert and television contributor and host. He's the author of the new best-selling book, The Minimum Method, The Least You Can Do to Be a Stronger, Healthier, Happier You. Joey was named the best trainer in Chicago by the Chicago Sun-Times in 2015 and was NewBeauty.com's top three favorite celebrity trainers. He's appeared on Good Morning America, Live with Kelly and Ryan, The Today Show, Sherry Shepard, Tamron Hall, Watch What Happens Live, Harry Connick Jr., WGN, TEDx, his own Facebook watch series, Home Sweat Home, and many more. Joey's work has been featured in publications such as Men's Health, Women's Health, Pop Sugar, U.S. News & World Report, NPR, People Magazine, Fitness Magazine, Bodybuilding.com, and many more. In this episode, Joey shares his secrets from years in the fitness industry on how we can all begin to optimize our health and fitness to become the best version of ourselves in all areas of life. Now, this was an absolutely fascinating conversation, and one of my biggest takeaways was, do we actually need eight hours of sleep? Do we need to be spending 90 minutes, two hours plus in the weight room, in the gym, or running every day? Should we be doing cardio more? Should we be doing more strength? Should we be doing more strength training? How do we optimize our sleep? I could have talked to Joey all day. He is a wealth of knowledge, and he shares some amazing tips with me that I'm going to go and apply to my life. And I'm also reading his book right now, so I'm continuing to learn from that. And I encourage you guys to all go check out the book, The Minimum Method, The Least You Can Do to Be a Stronger, Healthier, Happier You. In my opinion, this is a must-read for anybody looking to become the best version of themselves in 2023 and beyond. Before we get started, if you could leave a rating and review on the platform that you are listening on, I would greatly appreciate it, and it helps the show grow so that we can help more people. Now, without further ado, let's hop into it with my guy, Joey Thurman. Joey Thurman, welcome to the show, brother. Well, I'm glad to see your beautiful, smiling face, my man. What's up? Thanks. Ah, oh, man, you're too kind. I'm holding the book. I got if you're if you know if you're seeing this video clip, which you're probably not because I don't post the the full the full video. But I'm holding Joey's book right here. He's got it in the background. It's called The Minimum Method: The Least You Can Do to Be a Stronger, Healthier, Happier You. And it's got some really cool little graphics here on just people living a, a great healthy life. So, dude. Um, I appreciate you hopping on here today, and I'm really stoked to to learn more about kind of your whole journey and how this book came to fruition after all the years of amazing things that you've uh, been able to experience over the years. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I appreciate you having me on. I always do. And um, yeah, the the book was uh, was a process. That's for sure. A, I guess a life process, if you will, whatever life I've lived up until now. But yeah, I mean, I'm ready to get in whatever you uh, need to get after. Yeah, man. So, you know, thinking back to your time getting into fitness, you know, I, I listened to the TED talk that you did um, a couple of years back and then the solo episode of the podcast that you did kind of revisiting that and how mm -hmm. fitness saved your life. And I, you know, really that, that really hit home for me just because when I got into health and fitness was a couple of years ago, I played college football, but I was always just doing what I was told. I never understood the why behind it. And I never understood the more holistic approach to health and wellness 
and how that plays a role in your overall lifestyle and, you know, just like longevity and, you know, quality of life. Um, and really like I had a, I had a L4, L5 herniation in my back, like ACL that I just couldn't come back from. It was like one thing into, into the next. And once I really got serious about my health, my nutrition, um, you know, things like mindset, breath work, um, all these things that really play into the other side of wellness that doesn't get talked about as much. I saw that my life started to amplify and I wanted to help inspire others to, to feel that same way and live, live with that feeling that I had. So I'm curious um, about that journey. Like how did fitness save your life? What was the, you know, introduction for you into the industry? Why are you so passionate about it? And, you know, obviously you've stayed in it for this long. It obviously has had such an impact on your life. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious to hear um, all of that. Yeah, man. Uh, well, thanks for checking that out. Yeah. TED talk was like 13, 14 minutes. That was a process. That was called uh, like me, follow me, unbrand me. So that was really interesting. And yeah, when I revisited that, uh, I was in a dark place. Uh, I was diagnosed with depression, clinical depression at 14 and, uh, I wanted to kill myself and that goes in and out to be quite honest. Um, even like months ago. So it just, it, it, it's kind of always there. I feel like it's so my depression is almost like sort of in remission and never really goes away. Like once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic for me and for myself, um, you know, kind of once clinically depressed, almost always clinically depressed. Cause I, I know that things can kind of trigger these responses and you know, can, we can kind of get into that. But for me, fitness saved my life because I find if I don't move in a day in some sort of capacity, that depression is much more likely to creep up. And it's just not like, oh, I feel sad today. Like it's something where you can't explain. Uh, where I made a post a few weeks ago where I, I had booked Watch What Happens Live and I, you know, I was doing like uh, I had different stuff with the book and all these amazing positive things. And I was sitting at a coffee shop and I started fucking crying in this coffee shop. I was like, what is happening right now? And I started acknowledging that. I was like, wow, this is... It's a lot, right? So text my wife. I'm like, I'm in that place right now. And um, it was rough. But then I like I I got movement in later in the day. I did some sort of workout. I played with my son. We played tag or hide and go seek. I can't remember what it uh, what it was, but that movement truly is kind of uh, kind of my lifeline, uh, to put it quite literally. And it scares me to think what would happen if I didn't do that. Not to say like if I've got like a really bad depressive day and I you know, I go work out, like it just fixes it. Like sometimes it, it does, it does make me feel better. And sometimes it just kind of quiets that voice a little bit. I talk about that a little bit in the book about having like two voices. I think you've got this like antagonist, this louder voice. It's kind of like the devil, if you will. And on your other shoulder, you got the quiet one. Like you can do it. You're going to do great. You can make it through this. But the loud one is so loud and it's so strong and it beats you down. It beats that voice down. It just, it's hard for the quiet one to break through. So I try to feed the quiet one with movement and eating well and sleep and every, you know, minimum habit I can uh, get into. And so that movement, really realizing that movement is medicine for you, music, uh, movement is fuel right. for, you know, not just your body, but your brain, your, your life in general, how you show up for your family, how you show up for your son, you know, for, for you, how did that then move into like, I want to give this to other people too. I want to introduce how movement is able to 
really create a better life for yourself? Yeah, you know, I, I think that for a, a for a while, I used to put all these things in different buckets. I would almost itemize them. You know, like oh, I got working out, and then you got nutrition, and then you got something else, and you guys. I never really put them together until recently, to be quite honest. Even when I wrote that first book, like seven years ago. It was 365 health and fitness hacks that could save your life. And it was just like, ah, do this or freeze your spinach and do this, right? Like just little quick paragraphs. And I wasn't really putting it together because I hadn't been honest with myself and kind of how it was helping me. And with the birth of my son, that's when I really started looking into it. So I guess uh, creeping up on about five years now, because like when my wife Maria was pregnant, like it's like, oh, it's almost like fairy tale like you know like ah that's not a, really a baby in there i see it moving once once that kid took his first breath i was like wow my heart is outside of my body now and i never really knew what that like felt like like i need to live for him i need to move for him i need to be the active father and i need to set an example and i can help with everybody else with that so i i would say uh yeah end of february uh oh, what year is it now here yeah, 2018 you know that's kind of when that really started taking shape and how I wanted to look at this uh, a little bit differently. And everybody that trains with me or works with me, like you're different. Like even when I trained uh, Rachel Brooksmith, bring it on and much like a bunch of these big movies. And she's like, you are different. Like, I've worked with all these Hollywood, you know, um, trainers, if you will. And one day she was, um, you know, I've got a part in here talking about menstrual cycle and working out, you know, working in instead of working out. And she was on her heavy, like menstrual day and she was bleeding a lot. I just like, I just, I just can't do it. You've got a two day schedule for me and like hill sprints and whatever. I said, look, your movie is in a couple of months, not a couple of days. This is not going to be detrimental to you. Like if you skip your workout, but instead work in on yourself, do yoga, do meditation, whatever, but don't slack on your food journal, do whatever. And a few days later, she came back and she's like, nobody gave me that grace to ever do that before. And that just changed the way I thought. I'm like, yeah, you're bleeding. Your body's telling you like, hey, let's, let's kind of chill out a little bit here. You're like, you're losing a lot of blood. So I looked at her on an individual level and realized like that working in at that time in her life was so much better than working out. Find that there's maybe a, that gray area between, I mean, that for right there, like, yes, that is like, you know, you got to take a step back, listen to your body, because if you don't, then you're not going to be able to you know, be ready for your movie, look the way you want, feel the way you want, perform the way you want. I feel like there is this gray area where it's like, you know, using it, like using that as like an, as using things as, as an excuse to like, just not do something versus like, okay, I really need to listen to my body at this point. And that's constantly a struggle and a balance. I'm trying to find that like happy medium between days of like, all right, I can go further. I'm just, you know, being a baby or like, you know, sure. I really need to step back and listen to my body. So what are your thoughts on that? Like gray area in terms of, you know, the, the clients that you've worked with, the people that you've interacted with over the years mm -hmm. and like finding that like middle ground. Well, it's funny because I do have a quote in the book talking about living the gray and Alan Aragon, big nutrition researcher, is a buddy of mine. And he like picked that out. He's like, Joey gives people permission to live in the gray because like we look at things so black and white, like I got to get this workout. My hour, my workout has to be an hour. I've got to do this amount of sleep. I got to wear this wearable. I got to do this gut protocol. And a lot of that's in the book, but I also like talk about like three different minimum mentalities in there and like 
how you can assess yourself. You know, like if you're really stressed out one day and you didn't, you, you didn't get your workout in, or let's say uh, I use this example a lot. Let's say you have a, a red eye flight and you got a client coming in and you had planned out leg day for them, heavy back squats, deadlifts, whatever. Right. And they walk in and you actually talk to them and say, how are you feeling that? Like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to deadlift today. We're going to whatever. Right. You say, how are you feeling right now? Oh man, Adama, dude, I just, I just had a red eye flight. I got home. My kid was screaming. My wife was mad at me, but blah, blah, blah. And I'm just completely stressed out. You think you should load up back squats for them that day? You think systemically they're going to be okay with that? Oh my, it's not going to ruin the results. Like, you know what? Okay. Instead, let's, let's do some abs, do some biceps and triceps, do some like typical bro splits that right there will help them much better. And you can always go to a different day and have them do their heavy leg day when they're more recovered, you know, when there's not as much systemic demand on their body, but on their mind too, because physiology and psychology, man, those are completely connected. And to ignore one is ignoring both at the same time. So you have to live in that gray and you have to think about every context and every client and yourself too. Have I been to, doing too much? All these sort of things that just really need to have, um, I call it a thought cycle. Like go over your day, go over your life. Cause I think about what's happening. Have you been working out seven days a week and crushing it in the gym? Okay. Maybe you should take a day off, you know, but you're a UFC fighter and you're in fight camp and you didn't get enough sleep or whatever. And you've got that camp scheduled. Okay. They're probably going to still push you hard because you don't have time, you know? So like, that's a professional athlete. So why don't we treat ourselves as professional athletes at times? Football players have bye weeks They have off days. Why are we always doing, we're going to every single fitness class as much as we can. And it's not for our body. There's 50 people in that class. Really? Everybody has to do the same exact workout. They have the same exact goal, same exact moment arms and limb lengths. Really? Like, come on. There's almost 8 billion people in this world. There's be 8 billion different squat patterns. They may look similar, but like ankle mobility, hip mobility, tibial length, femur length, and external rotation. We could go like all that sort of stuff. It all matters. So just because a squat is supposed to look a certain way doesn't mean it's going to look the same way for you and I. I'm 6'3". I'm freakishly flexible. So I could show a squat and it might look beautiful for a 5'5 five, five client of mine. It's going to look completely different. You know, so it's just like, we got to live in that gray a little bit more. And it's great to have evidence. And I always go by, I say I'm evidence-based, I'm science-based, but I'm not science-bound. So just think about that and go through and think what makes the most sense for you. You're listening to this, you're watching this and um, what have you been doing? What have you not been doing? Where can you add that into your life? Is it more sleep? Is it okay? I, I'm a meathead. I lift out, lift seven days a week. You should probably cut back. Maybe do yoga, maybe do Pilates, maybe do a light jog for you. A, a jog could be a recovery day for somebody else. A jog could be a workout. You know, like a, that gray, man, it's, it, it's huge. Let's, uh, let's make the gray in bold, just like bigger letters, I guess. Was there a specific case study or, you know, client or experience or anything that spurred the idea for this book, the minimum method? So a former client, I guess, current, always client of mine, Kevin Hosworth owns this big marketing company. Um, amazing man. And um, if you're listening, Kevin, thank you so much. So I was talking to him about doing a book, uh, another book, and my buddy, Dr. Ian Smith, who was the host of The Doctors, GMA, like he's on, he's written like 27 books, multiple New York Times bestsellers, and number one New York Times bestseller. Like, guy's brilliant. Um, so he was like, hey, dude, you, you need to do another book, but you need to go with a publisher this time, whatever. So 
kind of went through that process. Finally, um, got a literary agent and came up with this idea. And I asked Kevin, like, what? Okay, I've been training you for years. What am I good at? And he said, sometimes you need to ask other people what you're good at because we, we lack that self-confidence and I have this huge imposter syndrome. So he said, hey, look, you're amazing at taking world-class information and digesting it and giving it towards each person individually. He's like, why don't you do something about like the bare minimum that you need for everything? And that was the original name of the book, The Bare Minimum. And I changed it to The Minimum Method Better for SEO. Uh, so that's kind of the premise of the book. I had that conversation. I asked somebody what they thought, and he is a marketing guy, so very good too. Like this book is just straight up TV pitches, you know? Um, but you know, I've got like 300 something references in here. But using that and then asking somebody else what I'm good at, and then I asked somebody else. And then I asked my literary agent. She's like, that is a really good idea. So why don't you take all, all, you know, all of this knowledge and everything that you have and let's put it together and kind of come up with the idea of the minimum method. Uh, I love that. I think it's so valuable too, because you know who you're talking to. You're not talking to the professional athlete. You're not talking to the fitness freak. You're talking to the everyday person who just wants to live as the happiest, healthiest, you know, most optimal version of themselves. And I think you know, from, you know, I haven't had the chance to read sure. the, the book in its entirety yet. Uh, you did send it to send it my way the other day and, and signed it. And I, I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to get into it. But, you know, who, who is the person that you were thinking about when you were writing this book? I know you've mentioned some of the clients that you've worked with, mm -hmm. some of the scenarios and whatnot, but was there, is there like a specific person, like if you're in this situation in life, if you're trying to get X result, if you want to be here, this is the book for you. Yeah. So I think the main person is uh, probably not my clients because they have enough money to pay me a lot of money for a 45 minute training session. And there's a good tip for any trainers out there, make it 45 minutes and you, they think you're paying less, but you're actually paying more per minute and you can get more sessions in just so you know. Um, and if they get their warm up and stuff ahead of time, their prep work, but uh, probably not my typical client because I'm telling them exactly what to do and they're doing it. They're coming in like, Hey, lift this weight, do this, do this exercise. Um, there's definitely enough. There's information in there for that. But the person I wrote it for is that person that is on the couch and they're confused and they're struggling and they're always looking towards the finish line, but instead they need to focus on the starting line. Where do you start? So that's your let's go person in this book. So most of the people in this book are let's go. Like that's, they're looking for that starting line. They don't know where the evidence points and kind of these minimum you know, mentalities that they can take and whether it's sleep or nutrition, whatever. So they can flip open to the sleep chapter and read that and knock out their sleep, pun intended, I guess. And then, you know, go on to the nutrition chapter or fitness chapter or cognition. And you can read that just one chapter at a time. As most people don't read books cover to cover, but this one would be great if you did. And then there's a level up. That's that person that's kind of like, all right, maybe you use a trainer every now and then you go to the gym on a frequent basis, but what else can we do? At the end of each chapter, it talks about the protocols for, you know, whatever that is, whether it's a sleep or a nutrition chapter, gut health, whatever, go through that. And then you've got your level up or right, so the max out. So the max out, that might be me. You know, that's my clients. That's these people that are, you know, maybe it's a prof professional athlete. Maybe it's that person like, you know, you, that's like, okay, I've done all these things, but what else? So you do everything in the let's go, everything in the level up. And then you add these max out behaviors, like, oh, you're doing 11 minutes of cold therapy. You're doing 55 minutes of sauna. You're, you're doing blue light blocking glasses. You're doing low level light at night. You're doing this um, gut immune protocol. You're doing the weekday diet research backed by Dr. Bill Campbell, my buddy. Like you do all that. You're ready just to go in hard. But that's not the majority of people. 
the majority of the people are just trying to get up from the couch and get to the starting line. They know their why, but they don't know their how. This book is their how. Mm, that's really important, the how, and kind of working backwards. And everybody thinks, and I've been a, you know guilty of this too, is you always think of like the what in terms of like, you know what you want, but you don't, maybe you, most people don't even know why. They just like, they, they want it but or they want the thing, but they don't know why they want the thing. And they for sure don't know the how of how to get there. So I think that that piece is a crucial connector there. Yeah. And that's why like, I love people like knowing, knowing your why, you know, my, my why in life now is my child, you know, but how can I be a better father for him? How can I be a better example and step that process out? So if you want to, let's say most people want to look aesthetically better, let's just be real here. I want to lose hundred pounds. I want to gain 10 pounds of muscle. Amazing. You can want all day long, you know, in one hand, as the saying goes, it's shit in one hand and you know, whatever, which one's going to fill up. So why? Cool. Okay. You want to do that now? How do we get there? Okay. That's, you know, all right. So if you're just starting out, maybe five sets per week per body part is enough to add muscle tissue. Wow. Okay. I can do that. That's a minimum. That's a little bit. I was thinking I need to work out five days a week six to nine hours of consistent sleep where you're going through four to six hour and a half cycles, you know, blue light blocking glasses, two hours beforehand. So you're just, start, you start adding these little things that you can add one thing at a time. Not like you're taking a hundred supplements at once and all of a sudden you feel better, Dom. And you're like, Oh, I feel amazing. Well, how do you know which one worked, bro? Like maybe it was the zinc, maybe it was just the magnesium, you know, like if you add one thing at a time. So here, it's kind of what I give people the opportunity. Like, let's add one thing at a time. So it's not so overwhelming. So when I tell you about my day and I wait 90 to 120 minutes for the cortisol awakening response to have my caffeine, and then I do a, maybe a, maybe a fasted cardio, or maybe I'm doing some sort of simple carb before weight training. And then I'm doing, you know, uh, one to three milligrams uh, per, per pound or for, per kilogram of body weight for my cat or for my caffeine consumption. So I'm not having too much and I'm doing like theanine and all this sort of stuff. Like, it's like, whoa, that's a lot, but I didn't do all that at once. And then go and like buy out Amazon. I did one thing at a time. I took care of sleep first. And if there's one thing you can do, consistent sleep, six to nine hours a night, because remember seven to eight is an average, six to nine hours of night, try to go to four to six cycles of an hour and a half cycles, consistent time beds, consistent time wake within an hour, seven days a week, not just, you know, on the weekends, right? Um, and do that. And that right there will start regulating all sorts of hormones. Your testosterone levels go up. Your free testosterone will be more usable. Your insulin response will be much better. Insulin sensitivity. You're, you're not going to crave as much food. Maybe you'll sit down and digest your food more because if you're not being mindful of what you're eating in front of you, you're not salivating enough. You're not producing enough digestive enzymes. You're going to um, absorb about 10% less calories, depending on what your study you're looking at, even if it's a candy bar or if it's a kale salad. You want to absorb the nutrients in whatever food you're having. So these little tips, minimum will get you the maximum. I was so fired up by that because this is all <laughs> stuff that I nerd out about all the uh -huh. time. Uh, I want to circle back to the sleep thing there because it is, you know, we can try to force our way. We can try to muscle our way through it all we want and say, you know, use all the caffeine and the uppers and the downers and whatever else, but, you know, really establishing a, good circadian rhythm where you're, you're consistent. Like, I just feel like I'm clicking on all cylinders and you know, I haven't been doing as great of a job of that lately, but you know, when I do, I can, I can feel it. And 
uh, I think the myth, it, it's starting to get a little more um, like you like popularized and, and more known, like you had just mentioned, like seven to eight out, like seven to eight hours, like that's or six to nine hours, because like, like, you know, between seven and eight, but like, everybody's always like eight hours, eight hours, mm-hmm. eight hours. And you know, the more research that comes out, it's like, well, you know, we sleep in these 90 minute, these hour and a half, 90 minute cycles mm-hmm. for, so you know, would it be, it's more beneficial to sleep for seven and a half hours than it would be eight. Is that what you're saying there? Yeah, generally, if you can do that, and remember that 90 minutes is also an average. It goes up to 110, depending on what you're looking at. So like maybe your cycles are like 110 minutes long. So then there you start looking at it. And that's why if you know it takes you like, say, five minutes to go to sleep, most people maybe a little bit longer, but depending on how knocked out you are. So then you start looking at your clock and let's say it's, uh, you know, 10 p.m. bedtime and 7 a.m. wake time. And you're like, oh, if, you know, hour and a half intervals. And how do you know how long an hour, and a, how long your sleep cycles are? But one, generally when you move to kind of readjust at night, that's about when you go back to your stage one, you're kind of like micro sleeps. That's when you know you've hit that. That's why it's best if you take a nap to not go past another sleep cycle because you're waking up and you're not in, in that REM sleep or like kind of a deep sleep where you're kind of jolted out of it. And you're having those autonomic storms. And you're, and you're just like, oh my God, and you wake up really groggy. But you know, an hour beforehand, I'll say an hour before you hit the snooze button and you're you're ready to go when it went off, but then you went to sleep and 30 minutes later, you feel really groggy. It's because you've got deeper into your sleep stages. So 90 to 110 minutes, if you're hitting four to six of those cycles, that quality sleep is going to matter. And just because you were asleep doesn't mean you necessarily got enough slow wave sleep and deep sleep and REM sleep. Um, there's different things that you can look at, like not having caffeine a little bit, you know, maybe anytime it says PM, because that can be active in your system, eight to 12 hours, females often metabolize caffeine much slower. So that caffeine is still somewhat in your system while you're sleeping. So you may not be able to get uh, quality sleep as, as much. So quantity matters, but quality is even more important. If you can get that, you know, that let's say four and a half hours of sleep, if you've got three cycles, I'd rather you get you a better four and a half hours than like six hours of crap sleep, or if you had a bunch of alcohol where that's really passing out, that's not actually falling into, you know, deeper sleep. It puts you asleep kind of right away, but then you're, you're wake up and you're more restless as well. So kind of like, I don't think people need to get so much into the weeds with that. Like you got seven hours of sleep. Did you wake up before your alarm? Okay. And if you could wake up, you could pop up. You're probably doing pretty well if you feel good. But if you've got to smack that alarm over and over again, and sometimes it's habitual for people, then you might start looking at your bedtime. Maybe it's delaying bedtime a little bit, maybe 15, 20 minutes and see how you feel. Or maybe it's going to bed a little bit earlier, waking up a little bit earlier and kind of adjusting that way because every single person is different. Gotcha. Okay. So I wear a whoop. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm able to see a lot of that data and I'm fascinated by everything. One is like alcohol. Uh, like my HRV average is like 140, 150. So like relatively high. Mm-hmm. And then even one drink, it could be under a hundred, you know, it could be in like the nineties and the eighties, which is, you know, for some people that's like, that's normal. Okay. Right. HRV is weird, but like for me, that's really low. Um, so another question I had on sleep was so seven and a half hours, right. But like on, on whoop, it tells you like the time in bed versus time actually asleep. Yep. So when you're trying to say you want to get into that seven and a half hours um, to hit that cycle, for me, it 
I'm typically awake of the time I'm in bed, 30 to 40 minutes, uh, 30 to 45 minutes, depending on, you know, how, how deep the, yeah, how deep my sleep is that night. So would it then be like seven and a half hours in bed or Mm. the amount of time, like not seven and a half hours in bed, but like time Time in bed, time Time asleep. Okay. So it would really be like eight hours and yeah, for, minutes. Yeah, for you. Event. Yeah. If you've got a whoop or something that's, you know, highly sensitive and, and can tell you that information, then yeah, you might be having like slight micro sleeps in there. Like sometimes we're asleep. We don't even really know it. Uh, it's like my father all on the couch, like watching CNN and all of a sudden, like I hear him kind of snore. He's like, oh, I wasn't snoring. I wasn't was sleeping. No, bro, you were snoring. So you're sleeping. <laughs> um, Dean, love you. So, but um, you know, that's the thing. Like, yes, you know, if you're 30 minutes, then yes, for you, it's probably eight hours or eight hours and five minutes if it takes you 35 minutes on average. Um, you know, that's one of those things. And for you, I would say like 35 minutes, dude, maybe you should look at that. Maybe you should do some 470, 478 breathing, um, listen to some binaural beats, you know, at night, maybe do some yoga nidra, something like that at night, maybe take some magnesium or some theanine about an hour beforehand. Uh, melatonin, I think is abused. Three milligrams of melatonin is what the research says. A lot of times people are taking six and 10 and 12 and it's way too much. Melatonin peaks in your bloodstream about an hour beforehand. So for you, three milligrams about an hour before sleep, you know, that's, you know, that might help you. So it could be melatonin, be a little magnesium because you could be, most people are deficient. That might calm you down. The theanine might calm you down. Maybe it's just literally, I would start with what I said first, the meditation, the breathing, that sort of stuff, and see if that helps you. Four, seven, eight, I like a lot. So it's just inhalation for four, pause for seven, exhale for eight. And anybody listening, like, they, they get like in these nuances of like, oh, I need to take a deep breath. You take a deep breath. Well, actually, you need to take a deep exhale because the exhale brings you more parasympathetic. So just focus on like a one to two ratio of inhale to exhale. You can exhale out the mouth slowly, pursed lips that'll slow it down. That'll bring you more parasympathetic. So if you just focus on that, you're like, don't even worry about counting because sometimes people are like, oh my God, four, seven, eight, was that seven seconds? Was that six seconds? That right there is getting you all jacked up. Just like count sheep, whatever. Inhale through your nose, 20% more oxygen or nitric oxide production. Exhale out the nose, out the mouth. It doesn't really matter to me as long as that, that exhale is slower. That will start calming you down right there. And then maybe you're cutting your 35 minutes to 10 or 15 minutes. Maybe you just need 30 minutes to unwind. And that's cool. That's fine. I think that quality versus quantity approach that you just talked about in, in explaining it for sleep, I think that also can carry over into diet, into everything that you do in life. It's well, so many people are focused on hitting their macros, hitting their calories and whatnot, but then, mm-hmm. you know, you're eating pop tarts and, uh, you know, chicken, chicken from like factory farm chicken where they don't even have beaks and they're pecking each other's faces. Um, right. so like there, I think there's a huge component to having quality, focusing on that quality. And then once you get really good at the quality, then yes, the quantity uh, becomes secondary. Yeah. Huge. And one thing I want to know, there are something called chronotypes. Have you heard about this? I have this been really interested and I've done a little bit of research, but I'm not an expert by no means. Yeah. So there's chronotypes. There's the bear, the lion, the wolf, and the dolphin. And I have it on here. So I just don't mess it up. So you think I'm a dolphin. I think I'm a dolphin. I I think. Yeah. We're (laughs) we're just going to, we're just going to list it off. So a bear, your sleep schedule is 11 PM to 7 AM. Your productivity is 10 AM to 2 PM, approximately 55% of the population. 
So that's like your early bird. That's a bear. Lion, also an early bird, if you will, right? For a lion, they're going to eat the birds. Sleep 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Pro productivity 8 a.m. to noon. About 20% of the population. Now, wolf, night owls, right? Sleep midnight to 7.30 a.m. Productivity 5 p.m. to midnight. 15% of the population. And then dolphin is also your kind of night owl. Sleep midnight to 6.30 a.m. See, six and a half hours of sleep right there. Productivity, 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. And then 10% of the population. So you can see right there where we, we were looking at, at these uh, sleep schedules and you've got six and a half hours for one of them and you've got seven and a half hours for the other one. So like you could have a different chronotype. So I talk about that more in the book, but just type in chronotypes. Like even if you don't buy the book, it's really interesting to go through and look at that. And then you can start seeing like, oh, so I am a, I am a night owl, if you will. I, I like to go to bed at midnight and that's okay. But when am I going to be most productive? We've got these ultradian learning cycles where we learn in about an hour and a half increments. And maybe we have two or three of them throughout the day. It's funny. A lot of, a lot of things are an hour and a half. Um, so you do that and then you focus on your learning. You put your phone down, you put that away. Like you listen to a podcast, like intently, not on double speed or anything because you're not going to retain that, you know? So, um, all these things really can matter and you can start dialing this sort of stuff in. And, you know, maybe you start out as a wolf and maybe you got kids, you need to turn into a bear. Like that just like sort of happens because your circadian rhythm gets to that point. Your diet could get to that point. Maybe intermittent fasting works for you. I did a good morning American segment called dad bod, um, 180 back when my son was first born. And I talked about intermittent fasting, not because of autophagy, not because of weight loss, not because of all of these like, you know, magical unicorn things that's supposed to do for you. Um, I am a fan of fasting, by the way, just don't, don't come knocking on my DM door. Um, but as a dad, you have less time in the morning. I used to make these smoothies and breakfast and whatever. I'm like, okay, now let's use fasting as a protocol here. Cause you get up in the morning, you know, I'm trying to help my wife with this, with my kid as much as possible. So let me skip breakfast. Let me eat when I'm at the gym afterwards. So I started doing it that way. So I, so I started changing my behaviors based off of my lifestyle because my 24 hours when my son was born was completely different than my 24 hours a year before that. And we need to adapt and adjust. Sometimes you're a bear, wolf, lion, or other sort of night owl, like dolphin. There you go. I forgot the dolphin. It's in my book. I got it. <laughs> so um, adjust, man. Context is always king. Yeah. Now, now that I hear that, maybe I wasn't a dolphin because I'm... I turn into a vegetable after like 10 p.m. I yes, yeah, you're, you're you're probably a bear if it's after 10 p.m. Is a bear or a lion? Those are like if it's like 11 p.m. You're sleepy. You're a bear or a lion. You're probably a mix between if a bear and a lion had a baby, maybe. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm down to be. I'm down to be a the lion bear. Lion, lion bear and slightly scary. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude. I think that's really. I think it's really valuable information too. And. um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Louisa Nicole's work, but she mm -hmm. um, definitely someone to check out. She talks just a lot about like, you know, doing the things in like to work, like have your brain work for you rather than against you. Um, and just like start to optimize rather than just like, you know, struggle through every day or like, Oh, some person told me I need to wake up at this time and be productive at this time rather than like, okay, you know, no, when do I actually feel the most productive? When am I feel the most alert? Um, what time, should I go to bed like that where I feel good waking up the next day and, and ready to roll. So I think doing these things and doing more, a deeper dive on like yourself and, you know, what, 
times of the day you feel most energized. Like you work out in the morning and you feel a little sluggish versus when you're working out in the afternoon and you feel super energized and, and just finding these little things that work for you and not always um, looking at someone else and trying to mimic what they do. Yeah, exactly. Like we, unless you're a twin, I mean, nobody else is really, really like you. And even those twins will have different, you know, circadian rhythms, but you got to find what works for you and, um, and, and just kind of play with it a little bit. And as, as I said, it's going to change throughout your entire life. So, you know, maybe for a while, it's going to do well for you being paleo or keto or carnivore or whatever, all these different things. And all these things can work, you know, for you and individuality is key, but there are, are some, you know, just constant premises that are, are, are key when you're, when you're looking at, you know, health, fitness, whatever it is. And, um, those you can kind of build around and people get in like too much caught in the weeds about nuances. Like, Oh, I gotta have five to seven meals a day and hit this and whatever. Okay. Let's talk about protein. Like it's what matters most is throughout the day. So hit your numbers throughout the day, do that for a while. Can you hit that? Okay. Then maybe you start looking at timing and equally splitting up throughout the day there. But, um, it's a lot because most people want to go like the supplement route or pop something there. And your body's telling you something for a reason. You're feeling a certain way. You've got low testosterone for a reason. Don't just go to like the testosterone clinic and get shot up. You know, like uh, all that sort of stuff is going to matter. And your body will give you signals that your mind will give you signals. Um, you're tired, you're sleepy, and you probably need more sleep. Cortisol levels are chronically elevated of, of, as opposed to acutely elevated. Like, um, you know, a, a little bit of stress is a good thing that you stress, but it can be positive stress and negative stress. Like the, your body has no difference between like positive stress. you got a lot of good things going on or negative stress is stress, you know, and, and we need to do something with that. And uh, I heard a quote a while ago, like anxiety lives in the future. Depression lives in the past. And I think we forget to live in the present. Oh, that's really good. I like that right there a lot. Yeah. I like that. I want to shift gears a little bit here and you know, you, obviously still work in the fitness industry. You've done a ton in the fitness industry, but you've also gotten into the entertainment space. You've been uh, involved with social media for a while. I mean, you've talked about this on podcasts and, and on YouTube videos and the Ted talk and how it's definitely taken a grip and control in your life um, at times. So I, I'm really curious to hear how you went from, you know, just, you know, being a trainer to now, been on good morning america you've been on all these different shows and had all these different appearances and you're like mr worldwide over here so uh you know kind of how you got into that world and how you had to maybe change your diet change the way you worked out change your lifestyle uh because you were doing more running around doing more traveling um and really you know and then you had a kid and got married and all these yep. other things and how maybe the beginning of your career you were doing this versus, you know, where you're at now and how that's had to change. Yeah. So Pitbull is worldwide. I'm nationwide, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like, uh, last time I counted, I had five jobs. I had seven at one point where there's TV hosting and author and social media and consulting and, and a bunch of stuff. So yeah, I, I had to adapt a lot. And for a long time I was in the, you know, hockey player mentality of, I, on the ice three, four days a week, or I've got to lift for an hour to an hour and a half every single time and trying to hit these arbitrary numbers and these goals that whose goals were they? Like, I guess my goals that I set for myself. So once I started getting more busy, I realized I need to be more efficient with my workouts. Like if you want to just get as strong as possible, we go straight set, 
we rest for three to four minutes or three to five minutes. Whatever you're looking at straight set, or, you know, like you're in the gym for an hour and a half or two hours if you're doing that. But what could I do to be more efficient, you know, and what's that kind of linchpin where I could pick out like where I needed to get a little bit better. So often I would get a 20 or 30 minute workout in. I try to like, okay, can I do 10 sets in 10 minutes, which is brutal. I don't care if you're doing five reps or you're doing 20 reps. You know, I prefer a little bit lower rep scheme because it's just less systemically demanding and it's more entertaining to lift the big boy weights, but, uh, or big girl weights too. So, um, 20 or 30 minutes. And then maybe I'd, you know, if I'm going out of town, I get like some sprints in, I'd go for a run in central park, uh, try to get some sunlight early. If it's nice outside, take my shirt off, get a tan too. That helps me look better as well. And then maybe later on in the day, I'd have a free 20 or 30 minutes. I'd go down to the hotel gym and knock out a certain amount of sets. And when I'm at home and I'm in Chicago, I try to hit, you know, 20 to 24 sets per body part per week because it's volume load throughout the day or throughout the week that matters most. So then you know, I'm like, oh, let me do full body four or five days a week. Cause I just kind of, I sprinkle it in and I'm not completely wrecked by doing like, oh, I should 20 sets of chest in one day and I could barely wash my hair. Everybody likes being sore, but soreness is not an indication of results. So then I started looking, okay, if I go within one to four reps in reserve and not full on mechanical failure, my body's going to respond better. I'm going to move better. I'm going to be able to sit down and take a dump without my legs giving way, but I could still hit three to five heavy squats or, or deadlift or what I was doing, and then move on to, you know, some sort of pressing motion or horizontal pull, pull, whatever that is. And then, okay, how can I help my VO2 max? There was a nice study done on uh, soccer players where once every two weeks, they did a four minute, 87% of their max heart rate. So just take 220 minus your age, multiply that by 87%, uh, four minute run, four minute rest for five rounds. And that helped maintain their VO2 max consistently. So twice a month, I can do that. That's a total of like, I can't 44 minutes or something like that. 20, uh, 48 minutes. Great. Efficient. You know, and you want to do some abs or something during that four minute breather. Fine. So I just started sprinkling that stuff in and not being so bound to all of these goals and numbers that I had. And when my sleep was on point, nutrition got on point. Um, I worked with world-class coaches because everybody needs a coach. Professional athletes have coaches. They have trainers. Everyone needs a coach and everyone needs a mentor. So then I started mentoring people too, and started putting my own practices, uh, into play as well. And yeah, once I started doing that, just sort of fit make, I, a lot of times people are, are trying to make their life fit into their training, but your training should fit into your life. Big distinction there. I got lots of quotes for you during those podcasts. Um, but you think about that when then you really stop and think like, oh, I got, I got to, I got to work out. I got to train. I got to do this, whatever, but you got to pay the bills. You, you got to get the mortgage. You got to get food. You, you have to do all these things. So where can that training fit into your life? And that training is sleep and nutrition, and everything. I'm not just talking about the gym here. Yeah. I think also you have to take into account what your goals are and what's realistic for you and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of write everything out. Like, you know, what are your, what are the things that have to get done on a daily basis? Like, are you pursuing, uh, like, are you rigidly going in this fat loss phase right now? Like, I think life ebbs and flows in seasons, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. at this point in time, you might be sacrificing other things. You might be going to the gym more. You might be spending more time in the kitchen. You might be spending more time, you know, doing mobility, yoga, like whatever else it is. Like, for example, I'm trying to run a certain time in a marathon beginning of next year. So 
Like, I do know that I have to get this training in if I want to stay healthy, get faster and whatnot. And I, and I know that I'm sacrificing some other things at this point for this athletic goal that I'm pursuing. But after that, you know, I mean, I say this, but I, I'll probably jump into something just because I, I, I love training and, and being an athlete. It's just like part of who I am. But like understanding that like when you, even athletes, right? Like they have off seasons, right? They close, they have the, off season, then they have the preseason in season, like, you know, it goes through this cycle. So with whatever else you're doing, like, even if you're in a diet or you're even in a bulk or whatever, it's like, you're not going to be in that forever. Like, yeah, you might be dialed into what you're doing right now, but you don't have to stay in that forever. Yeah. And that's a, that's a very fair point. You've got, you got to think about what those goals are. And often I liked, I like people signing up for some sort of event because when you're training for an athletic event, you're not necessarily thinking about aesthetics at that point. But aesthetics will come as you're doing that. You look at, you know, all these professional athletes, they look amazing. And they're not like doing typical bodybuilding splits. They're just doing, you know, functional, I'm not sure if you like that word or not. You know, it's like movements that are for their sport. When I was training for a Spartan race, I was just never done an individual event before. I was just playing hockey in college and soccer before that. And I was like, oh, let me just try to get faster in four miles and do more pull-ups and hangs and all this sort of stuff. So as when I live in downtown Chicago, I was 2.7 miles from work. Like, okay, I'm going to run that to work and back from work as fast as I can each time. And that was my training for that. And then I'd get a lift in and, you know, then I was feeding my body to recover and to fuel myself for the workouts. I just started looking better. Even though most of the time I thought of aesthetic goals, even back in college, I was, you know, selfishly looking at aesthetic goals versus goals that could help me on the ice. If I would have done the inverse of that, I probably would have been much better. Yeah, I, I've I always said that too. Last year I was I was playing college football and I was like, I was not focused on aesthetics at all, solely focused on performance. And I looked and felt better than I ever had. Whereas after I stopped playing, I was very much focused on aesthetics and I was not as strong. I didn't look as good and I didn't feel as good as I did when I was pursuing that performance. So I always tell people too, like pursue something performance-based and the aesthetics will come secondary to that. Yeah. Perfect. Schedule vacation, whatever, you know, all that sort of stuff is great. You know, hundred percent, man. And, you know, for this book moving forward, uh, you know, launched fairly recently, what is, uh, what kind of things are you pursuing with it? What are you uh, on a tour or anything like that? Are you, uh, what kind of plans do you have for this whole the minimum method? Yeah. Uh, Lots of TV, lots of, uh, you know, brilliant podcasts like this one. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm all over. So, um, yeah, I've got national TV. Um, I go on Kelly and Ryan a lot waiting to get booked on that. I've got like 20 or so TV segments scheduled and then podcasts and radio stuff. And, um, it's a lot, it, it is a lot and it's, it's draining and I, I give a lot of energy to people and I need to be aware of that, but I know, anybody out there who's really busy, you know, and you, and you have these like ebbs and flows of times in your life where you're crazy busy. One thing I just try to prioritize is like, get that sleep. Even when I'm out of town, like I'll, you know, I'm in New York or LA or Phoenix or Boston or Allentown, Pennsylvania, you know, whatever, you know, um, I, I try to get to bed around that, you know, same time, whether I'm on a different time zone or not, so I can regulate myself and then get up early, get a workout in, get that sunlight and all those sort of things really, really help me. Um, but I'm always getting that workout and I'm always trying to find a, a healthy spot 
you know, wherever I'm at, if there's a, a whole foods or a Chipotle, I'll go three times a day, you know, um, and, and regulate that because it is draining, especially a lot of self-promotion, you know, <laughs> and I'm never great about talking about myself. I'm trying to get better about that and owning that I'm very good in a lot of things that I do. And I can always get better at some things and some things I will never get better at. I will never be good at. So I might seek outside help or, you know, something else. So if I got a client coming in that, you know, wants to get their hormones checked and blood panels, whatever, I'm not, that's not me. I'm not a functional med doctor. So fine, go get your blood work checked. There's a guy, there's a girl, whatever, you know, uh, understand your strengths, but I think it's more important to understand your weaknesses as well. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more, man. One of the last questions I have for you is outside of the book and you know everything that you've got going on, the travel, the promotion, um, lots of lots of awesome stuff. What excites you? I, what excites me is my son looking back at these times and realizing that he's proud of his father and who he is. You know, it's like I say this all the time. I, that's that's my goal in life, not to. Like, yes, money's great. Don't get me wrong. Like, I feel like I can make a, help a lot of people and make a lot of money. That's okay. That's all right. It's all right to say that. But, um, you know, I don't want him to look back and say like, oh, my dad's on TV or whatever. And now he's probably more impressed with YouTube, but, um, he's proud of what I did and who I am and, um, who I helped him become. And my wife, the same thing. If she's, if she's proud of that and you know, who I'm helping and um, that she could say, well, I'm proud that he's my husband. I'm proud that he's my son. He's my nephew. He's my brother. Like, that's what I look forward to. And that's kind of how I, I try to live my life. And some days it's just, it's just not there. Some days I'm the, I'm an asshole and I get it. You know, we all have those days, but I try not to ignore that. Um, just the recognition. Well, hopefully, you know, when I'm six feet under people are like, well, he was an asshole every now and then, but I was, pr I was proud to know him. That should be on my tombstone. That's pretty good. I'll uh, I'll make sure that that goes all. Down. I'll, I'll, I'll make it. I'll make a note of that. Uh, yeah, you're probably gonna live longer than me. Well, you're gonna be. You're gonna. You're younger, so you'll be good. I don't know. Okay, you're dialing a lot more stuff that you have in this book than I am. So you never know with uh, with all these method methodologies nowadays. But touche, dude. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Before uh, before I let you go, and before I I let. You, know, you can tell people more about where they can find the book. Uh, I want to ask you the quick three, which is three short questions, get to know a little bit, uh, different side of Joey. Yep. So the first question would be, who would be your dream client? Ooh, I don't know if there's a specific person, but I love working with people that can just like do everything I say and they can absolutely get pushed like to the max. Uh, and I was training Terrence Howard back in the day for empire. Like he was, he was pretty much right there. It's the guy was getting paid so much money and he needed to look like he was prison jacked in shape for season two. So I was training him twice a day for three months. We were overreaching on purpose because we knew that once he started filming, like he would stop. So that, that was pretty cool. I'm like, here's what you eat. Here's what you do. I just brought in a bag of supplements, take these, you know, like, um, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, athletes are pretty cool to work with too, but yeah, I think um, anybody getting ready for like a superhero role or a villain role, like Rachel Brooks thought that was pretty cool when I was training her, even though it was like virtually, because she's like, what do I need to do? What do I need to eat? What do I need to like? Yeah. All right. You've got a hundred percent faith in me and let's go. I like that. I like that. Second one is if you could pick three foods to only three foods to eat for the rest of your life, what would they be? 
regardless of aesthetic reasons? Yeah, regardless yeah, okay, of aesthetic cool. reasons. So tacos, absolutely. Preferably crunchy or maybe like a bowl, like nachos. I like the crunch, but I, I can do a burrito or a taco. So that's number one. Uh, I love myself ice cream, just like a good or like gelato. Gelato, yeah, oh, so good. And then maybe some sort of like yeah, brownie cake pie i have a huge sweet issue it can be in the room but if i take one piece of the pie like i'll just have a little bit like no if i have a little bit i'm eating that entire pie so no it's like you know like a a crack addict like i'll just take a little take a little hit right now no uh uh-uh i'm smoking that whole rock so (laughs) there you go i agree man that's for me that's ice cream and chocolate chip cookies oh it's 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 all it's all yes it's it's all or not i (laughs) I I ran, I ran the Philly marathon a couple of weeks ago and that was all I wanted. Like, and, and I got it too. I was, I was like, I'm getting ice cream and cookies and I ate like, again, all of it. It's, it's all or nothing. How'd you uh, feel the next morning? Dude, not that bad. I'll be honest. Uh, like impressive. not as, not as bad as I anticipated. Um, who knows? Was it Whatever. immediately post the marathon? No, no, this was, this was later on in the evening, immediately after they gave us uh, like bananas, granola bars, and like chicken broth. It was freezing. Yeah, which was okay. weird. And then pizza and cheesesteak, baby. That's that's what we went with. <laughs> oh well, you're you're fully get it. Makes sense. <laughs> exactly. But um, the last one here uh, to cap off this quick three is besides the minimum method. What is a book that you've dove into that's had a positive impact on you over the past year? Oh, past year. Um... Last one, actually, I did an audible. What was it? A business made simple. Oh, um, Donald I, Miller. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, I was trying to think of it because it was, so I did the audible um, and, and listened to it like on double speed and then one speed and kind of back and forth. And I think a lot, a lot of that, you know, like in, in business, you can put that with with fitness or anything like that. And I loved his analogies about like, there's a business and there's a plane and there's the wings and the marketing engine and all this sort of stuff that was really good. And he has a line in there that I use with my trainers a lot. I say, you be the guide, let your client be the hero. Mm. And I was always saying this to people when I was training uh, celebrity chef Art Smith. I'm like, I'm going to hold your hand, man. I'm going to be there to hold your hand, but I'm not going to pull you. You need to take those first steps and I'll always be holding your hand. And that's, that's like the, that's the client trainer relationship. You've got to be there for them but you can only guide them and they have to be the hero in their own story. Mm, That's really good. All right. Last question I got for you. This is the pure ambition podcast. When you hear that word ambition, what does it mean to you and how does it apply to your daily life? Uh, Love. I think it means love, love for whatever you do in life, love for your family, love for your job, love for your friends and connection and now like you and you and me man like i'd love to be in person with you but like that connection like that you have that ambition you have that love for life and you know i I tell my friends all the time you know coming from straight white bro like i love you man like you know and we and we do that i I started doing that with them and like love you too you know because like I, i think for so long especially you know um with guys uh i think we're we're afraid to say that and we're afraid to hug. And I can, they come in, I haven't seen them for years. They, they reach out to shake my hand. Like brothers don't shake hands. Brothers hug. I don't know what movie that is from, but you know, like, like give a bro embrace, give love, have that pure ambition for whatever you do. And just to, 
if you lead with your heart, you lead with love, whatever you do in life is going to be so much better. Ambition is love. I haven't had that one come up yet, but I, I really like that. I appreciate that. Dude, this has been a lot of fun. I'm excited to dive deeper into the book. If anybody wants to check it out, if they want to check out more of what you have to offer, where can they head to? Yeah, the minimum method, the least you can do to be a stronger, healthier, happier you. Amazon is probably the easiest place for people to get it. You type in minimum method, type in Joey Thurman. Um, hardcover helps me out the most. So I'm just going with bestseller lists here. They're audible, which is my voice, audio CD and Kindle Joey Thurman fit on all social media channels. So if you're going to troll, troll nicely, Joey Thurman fitness on YouTube and joeythurman.com. But, uh, Instagram is probably easiest Joey Thurman fit, but yeah, buy the book. If you can, it's at target Barnes and Noble, all that sort of stuff too. But, uh, yeah, um, I do respond to emails and DMs, and it's actually me responding, by the way. So assuming it's an appropriate question or comment, I'll respond to it. True testament. He, he does respond. I sent him a voice DM. He sent one right back. Uh, so, there you go, man. Yeah, it's, it's a true testament to it. But Joey, I appreciate you, dude. Um, you're doing amazing work. Uh, this is going to help a lot of people, and I appreciate all that you have to offer. appreciate all that you are going to continue to do. And dude, just wishing you nothing but the best. Well, I appreciate your pure ambition and, and your love for the world and life, man. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, if you found value in it, please share it with a friend, share it with a family member, share it with a coworker, share it with your gym buddy, your running buddy, somebody who needs it. And please leave a rating and review on the platform that you are listening. It helps the show grow and helps us reach more people. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll see you in the next one.